0: Hello, 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 and welcome to your Saturday morning Bible study well, <laughs> and Theo Geeks. Uh, I'm your host, David Russell, and I am here with my favorite Canadian, the man, the myth, the legend, money metal, Dale Glover. What's going on, Dale?
1: Hi, David. I'm, I'm doing good. Just doing my thing.
0: <laughs> nice. So what is your thing? What? What is your thing?
1: oh well that's a good question these days i don't know i'm finished uh and stuff like that so just kind of finishing off my podcast for the summer uh kind of thing so this will be the last one i think for august in the summer um then i'm going to be taking a little bit of a break um although i still have some guest shows and obviously theo geeks and stuff so there'll still be shows even on my break but uh that's, yeah, that's it in terms of news. Like, uh, obviously, I graduated from the master's, so nothing school-wise to report and stuff like that.
0: Nice, nice. So uh, entering the next stage, huh? Yep, exactly. Well, you know, I am still working on school, and I just started back up. So I've got, like, a bunch of stuff uh, coming my way and then you know, caught up on the uh the lecture series that i've been in uh through all the classes so i took ethics you know we're doing some ethics stuff and uh we we did that uh soteriology which is cool Mm -hmm. and uh theology too so very interesting stuff and i've been having a good time with it uh i'm pretty much done with all classroom stuff so I'm pretty much now in report mode and essay mode so I've got to get a lot of those papers out this coming up week but other than that I've been working like 60 hour weeks man so it's been like crucial but I get to do my schoolwork at my job so I get to do some of that there so it's it's not a total loss or total uh you know blunder you know but a lot of work and me and the wife we started uh making uh dessert wine. So we uh, just been doing that, and we're making a toasted caramel wine and a port style wine. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it comes out. And yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna keep trudging forward, man, and stuff like that, man. Awesome,
1: awesome. Sounds good. I see we have we have at least one listener. Travis, yep. Yep. So, good, morning, good morning, nerd. For our you, you nerdy made a, study, you made a typo though. It's plural. It should just be you. That's the nerd, right? Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> true.
0: I mean, at least I can show my face. Oh, oh!
1: I, I I gave you guys the uh, uh, the privilege one time. You should be grateful.
0: So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw you did it on your show too on Real Seekers.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah uh yeah I've been talking thinking about it like with guests and stuff it uh seems to mean a lot to them like uh, I had one guest Paul um I forget what his last name is now but um he was on the show and before the show he was kind of begging me like you know it's really important to me to see your face and stuff like that and I've had other guests kind of complain about it so I'm like all right, maybe I'll when I'm able to do it. I'll, I'll do it for the guests and stuff like that. So,
0: should do it for your fans too. They want to see your face, Dale. Oh,
1: no. They want to
0: see that cool Canadian glare. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm see, good. even Travis says we need to start seeing more camera footage from Dale.
1: Oh, he, he just wants to see those cool sunglasses again, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, guys, you know, for, for our guests and, and our Bible studyers here, we are actually going to be going over uh more detail. And, I mean, we did do kind of an overview, and I think we'll probably do a little bit of an overview here. But I actually printed out a study on the Sermon on the Mount uh, that I found really helpful in how I got to understand uh the beatitudes and stuff like that. that's where we're gonna start i i hope to make this a series dale i think it would be very beneficial to our listeners to actually walk through uh the study with us and stuff like that and you know have our commentary on the side um but uh yeah so like that's what we're gonna do dale could you just lead us in a quick prayer as we get started a prayer oh, yeah, a little i think it would be good to do that for a bible study what do you think
1: uh, yeah, sure. It makes yeah. sense. We've never done it before. Actually. I know.
0: I know. I, I, I know. I just sprung it. I, it just came to mind. Spirit-led, man.
1: Okay. Uh, All <laughs> right. Uh, so, God, uh please help David and I in our presentation and under, trying to understand the Beatitudes and their meaning for us as Christians uh, and disciples of Jesus. Um, I hope that we provide some kind of insight to people that is helpful um as well as uh helping people to understand uh the comfort that they provide that's uh was your meaning when you gave that sermon uh gave the beatitude part of the sermon so um help us to to do do it justice um amen
0: amen man so yeah so this is gonna be really cool dale do you have your bible ready uh, do you have the uh Scripture in hand, or yeah, I have the Beatitudes with? up if
1: you want me to read them
0: for you. Yeah, let's let's start at Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 1, I guess.
1: Okay, uh, so you do you want me to you just want me to read verse 1 only or read the full thing first?
0: Let's go to yeah, let's read the whole thing, let's go to uh 1 through 11.
1: Okay, all right, cool, so. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
0: Really good, really good stuff. Uh, So like, yeah, so again, you know, I think we mentioned this before in the overview when we started this. But, uh, you know, whenever you see seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain and stuff like that. The disciples came to him and he sat down. And the fact that they even mentioned that he opened his mouth is something that's uh, uh, signifying that he's about to teach something important, right? Yeah, yeah. so I mean as far as this go, this section of teaching recorded in Matthew chapters uh, 5-7 through to uh, is the longest piece of teaching from Jesus in the Gospels. And Dale, that's kind of one of the reasons I really wanted to hone in on this because I think – it's something that we need to learn more from. It. It's something that we need to digest. It's something that we need to uh, read and study and put it out there for people because it is uh, the longest portion. It's the longest teaching that we get, you know? So I think it's really good that we are able to actually come away and, and, and get into this study, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, one thing I'll, I'll just add, uh,
1: just a couple of interesting notes on
0: this uh this
1: first little bit here. So uh, in terms of, it's interesting. So Matthew says, Jesus uh, went up to the mountain. Um, So there's kind of significance to that. Some, some biblical scholars have said that this is kind of Matthew's for Matthew. A lot of things happen on mountains, right? The resurrection appearances, the transfiguration. So mountains are important to Matthew. And some people have argued there's some kind of significance relating it to like Moses giving the, Old testament torah on um mount sinai and this is kind of like yeah hey look uh, jesus is doing something that as, is as significant as that um i don't know if you've heard interpretations about of that or yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. I've, I've heard those theories yeah all right cool I, and one thing for the skeptics listening is hey wait a second it, jesus is on a mountain when he's giving these I thought uh, Luke says that he's in a level – what is he? A level place. Is, is that a contradiction? Um, I don't know how you'd answer that, David. Like, is there a contradiction here? The skeptics would be arguing.
0: What is that? For what?
1: So, like, when, in another gospel, it says Jesus uh, gives this the Beatitudes on in a level place, whereas Matthew specifies it's on a mountain. So – Some skeptics have said, "Well, that's a a contradiction or something." I don't know if you've.
0: No, I haven't heard. I haven't heard people even try to say that's a contradiction. Um, Yeah, I mean, what what did you? What have you heard on it?
1: Yeah, so so it's obviously not a contradiction. This is easily um, you're able to harmonize it, right? Because uh, in Israel, there's a lot of hill country and that sort of thing, and in a lot of on a lot of these hills there are level places. Uh, I've seen them with my own eyes when I visited Israel um, back in 2013 and stuff. And I, my tour guide even pointed out a place where there's a natural um, echo effect where, whereby it makes perfect sense that 5,000 people could hear uh, a single person speaking and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, there, there is no
1: contradiction is, is the answer to that.
0: Right on, right on. Yes. So like, uh, it, so, what I think is really interesting here is that, you know, Matthew uh, summarizes Jesus' early ministry in the passage immediately preceding the one we're about to look at, right? So uh, it says, And he went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. So when you see that these great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from everywhere like that, you're starting to see him building this fame, right? So it makes sense that all these people are gathered and he's about to speak. And his ministry is pretty much begun so they're they're sitting there and they're like okay what is he about to teach now you know he's been healing he's been bringing the gospel here and there but now we get this big sermon on the mount right we get this this period of 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 him just teaching right Uh which i think is really cool um and he kind of teaches them in a way uh um that it's kind of contrary to what we, we think would be uh, blessed, right? So I, I wanted to get into what it means to be blessed, right? So, and, and you know, it's almost kind of like a poem. You know, you get the blessed and, I mean, there's really no command, right? Uh, it, it's kind of poetic in a way. Um, so if you study the first eight lines, you'll notice that the first and the eighth is exactly the same. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, so you get this idea that the blessing is there, but not yet. You know, you get this kind of like, you know, you can the the kingdom of God you can have now, but also in the future. You know, there's this aspect of that, too. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so in the first place, um, in terms of the structure, yeah, I I agree with you. So Matthew chapter four, I think verse 17 is where like it kind of summer Jesus summarizes and then um chapters five through seven then in the following uh, chapters he kind of goes into a main discourse about five main discourses of fleshing that out what is it and obviously in chapters five through seven that's where we're talking about the ethics of the kingdom so that's you know this already not yet aspect that you're saying
0: um yeah like a present but future reality was what i was trying to say yeah present and future reality
1: yep exactly yeah Um, So it's kind of like um, we're the signifiers by taking on these various um, attributes or something like that, like being merciful and stuff, we're signifying that the kingdom is present and this is what you have to look forward to when it's fully realized and stuff, right? Right. Um, One thing I wanted to know just about the general thing is, So I've noticed there's like three aspects to the beatitude. So in the first place, there are those eight character traits that identify uh, you as a servant of God. That's what I was just kind of talking about. Um, And then there's also this aspect that by adopting these traits, it does bring true inner happiness to you, right? Because you are actually a servant of God and you're experiencing the kingdom kingdom of heaven on earth kind of thing right now. Um and then the thing that you're talking about is each of these character traits are corresponding to an actual promise of, of a blessing. So yeah, that gets into what you're talking about there.
0: Yeah, so the study actually points this out. It says we learn about who the subjects of his kingdom are, right? So the poor in spirit, those who mourn, we we are uh, we are learning about the king as well, right? So um he is one who gives the kingdom, who comforts, like you're saying, this inner happiness and stuff like that. Uh, he gives peace to his children and so on. And Jesus is telling them about the wonder and goodness of living under the reign of God as well. So, I mean, it's just a lot packed in here, right? Yeah, jam-packed. <laughs> so, uh, again, let's go to say, okay, what does what is blessed mean? Um, it is a passive term, right? So what is blessed? Is it? being favored or honor, honored, by God. Uh, that's one of the things that we, uh, um, we think about when we think about blessed to, to be wealthy, to have good health, to be secure and protected, have great success in our own endeavors and to be particularly, uh, good looking even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we associate things like that being charismatic and, and happy and, and all those qualities we tend to associate with being blessed. So, I mean, the qualities that that Jesus include, I would think, would actually consider and have indications of someone not being blessed,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, I, I wish I had something good to say. There was um, a sermon. I had a sermon about a couple months ago where they went into a lot of detail about that meaning of blessed, and unfortunately, I'm drawing a blank, which is terrible, but I found it was at the time there was, it was a really great take on what that word means kind of thing but yeah i'll, I'll search through my notes and maybe put it in the sources if i can
0: um, no that's fine i mean whatever you know we're just here commentating on it so
1: yeah. um,
0: i think what jesus does is it, it, it it's actually mind-blowing the quality like i said the qualities indicate that someone's not being blessed. but do you notice that in looking at this list they're descriptions of lacking and longing. Like when you think of blessed, you think of being full, complete, like overflowing, right? Uh-huh. But Jesus says those that are blessed are empty, incomplete, and lacking almost. You know, but I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of like, I think he's got something going on here, right? Like those that are blessed and favored is to have the kingdom of heaven now and the future and the fullness and comfort, inheritance and satisfaction and mercy. I think that's what he's really shooting towards. Right.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's obviously, I mean, this is a a radical message. It's, it's trying to teach us that, look, the people that are in need, that God will provide for them in whatever way they need. Right. So poor in spirit. This is, what does that mean? For example, it means that you, you recognize that you're spiritually Need needing God um, so therefore yeah God will be for you be there for you but the the ones who are rich in spirit the pompous and arrogant oh I don't need God I'm so good look at me I you know I'm I pray five times a day and I I'm not like these wretched tax collectors I'm so much better I'm a Pharisee so um, I see what you're saying where it's kind of like it's pointing out look you have a certain Need you're poor in spirit. You need God for this, and God will bless you. And and when you recognize that, He will give what give you what you need. Same same with uh, all the other stuff, right? Like people who are uh, need to be uh, comforted because they're mourning and stuff like that. So yeah, so I see what you're saying. Like it's it's talking about how God will provide what His servants need. Uh, you just need to recognize it and ask for it.
0: So one, I think one can be called blessed when one is poor in spirit because being poor in spirit is a sign that they're looking for the very thing God is – the king is giving, right? His kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like that – and that's kind of like summing up what you just said there. So I think it makes uh, some sense that a person who is blessed… Is the one who is longing for these things, and I think that Jesus has really given us a fundamental about reality—that you know, the things that we think are uh, uh, making us blessed, our comforts and our ills, and, and and our 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 virtues and our vices, and and the the things we cling on to, the materialism, and and all those things. You know, it's very easy to. Overindulge. It's also very easy to uh, uh, put our trust in those things when actually all those things go away. They don't come with us. They don't stay with us. They'll they'll corrupt. They're they're they'll uh, break down. They'll you perishable, know, yeah. perishable. Right. Okay. God wants to give us something so much more. And I think that there's a fundamental aspect of humanity uh that excels when there is a longing, when there is a mission of discovery, when there's a a, a, a purpose, right mm-hmm. that is involved. like we're we, you know we're going to some sort of end, right? some yeah. sort of goal. And if we don't have, if we don't keep dreaming and keep making goals, we do stagnate, yeah you know? Yeah, I, yeah,
1: I think, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I've done, I did a show back when I was on Skeptics and Seekers. Um, it's one of my favorite shows, but it was kind of taught in terms of this issue about there being like an end, ultimate goal for us to strive for, right? Um, I was talking about the word bliss and what that means. And obviously our end goal, these beatitudes result in us achieving bliss, which isn't just mere happiness, you know, they're like, earthly happiness that comes and goes and stuff like that. This is a, we achieve an eternal, worthwhile, deeply worthwhile uh, kind of happiness. And uh, yeah, so I I fully agree with you that human beings need that. And this is saying that God provides that. Um, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Which kind of gives us our cake and, and we can eat it too if we have. I mean, look at the comforts we have in our society right now. I mean, we don't have to go outside to go to the bathroom anymore. Uh, we have indoor plumbing. We have electricity. We have entertainment uh-huh. at, our, at our fingertips every day. We have information at our fingertips every day. We don't go to bed with uh, uh, empty bellies most of the time, you know, although I did kind of last night. I only ate breakfast yesterday. That's not good. <laughs> but no, seriously, like, it, like in all honesty, I mean, where we live in the comforts of our society, uh it, it, we I mean, we we are we can be comforted yet you look at like suicide rates and you look at all these things that are going on where people are just aren't satisfied. I remember this this uh um thing I heard about Deion Sanders in his testimony was that he was sitting after winning I guess the second Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting in his bed with his ring, just twirling it in his hands. And he said, "You know what?" He said that night I, I contemplated suicide because I had done everything I wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's, in other words, he had a longing that was like deep in his soul, for right? Him. And he was like, you know, I had done, I've achieved everything that I set out for. You know, I've done everything, and I think that's so true that like we can be so in in such comfort. In such, you know, I've, I'm happy. I'm I'm content. And then we lose that focus of like, no, we need to stay discovered. We can stagnate. We can – it could be unhealthy for us, you know. Um, you, you'll gain weight if you sit in your bed too long <laughs> and yeah. do all those things, you know. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's a real danger too. Um, so that's that's one of the things that I've really learned from, like, Christ is that, like, things are not – always the way we think they are they're actually he kind of like makes it exactly the quite opposite like you know um, um, what is it uh, being poor in spirit is better than being rich right you know um, you, mm-hmm. you know things like that like uh, it's not through conquering people that you know uh, will give peace and not by uh, violence will a nation be sustained. No, these things. It, it, it's the exact opposite by peace that can actually exact change and lasting change, you know, uh, love, you right. know, and stuff like that. There's things like that that really uh, um, make a kingdom last, you know, yeah. so
1: there yeah. is there is one. Uh, so, again, I'm, I'm always thinking of, like, objections and stuff like that. So, like, one thing we, we should just make just to make clear. With what we're saying, obviously the the Bible isn't saying the state of affairs being poor in spirit in and of itself is good. No, that, I think that's that's bad, right? It's only instrumentally good in that hey, we recognize we need God. We we're not uh, rich in spirit based on petty earthly things like hey, I've got a Super Bowl ring and and stuff like that. Um, no, we need to be rich in spirit on what's truly matters on these uh, end goals, you know, with that God has a mind, salvation ultimately and stuff like that. So it is good to be rich in spirit, but that you need to recognize the only way to become rich in spirit in the proper way is to depend on God and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's just something I wanted to clarify.
0: Yeah. So like the, the study, Points this out too, and it's following in the same vein. It says they can no longer decide who is blessed and who is not by whether they're rich and successful. Um, To understand the kingdom of God, they need to know who God is and what His blessings are about. So, yeah, I think that all ties in. You know,
1: or oh, are you are you reading like rich and poor in like a literal financial sense? Is that how you- that
0: there's that too. I okay. think, yes. I think there is there is the this aspect that Jesus is trying to dispel because this crowd is full of people uh, that are probably rich and poor. And he's like, look, you know, um, not only is he talking on a spiritual level, but he's also talking on a practical level. You okay. know, um, look, to be blessed, you're not going to be high and mighty. It's not about being rich and adorning yourself with. Gold and stuff like that. I think he's also speaking to that. You know, I'm. he's giving you facts about his kingdom, you know, and there's more to it than just – and I've always told people this. I said, you know, Jesus gives us uh, a a Roman road to salvation, and it starts in the Beatitudes. You know, there each are steps and conditions that humanity has got to find themselves in, like being poor in spirit, and we'll go over this when we actually hit the – uh, each beatitude, right? Oh, I thought, um, I thought that's what we were doing. now we, Okay, we're
1: not. We're there. still
0: in. We're more in an <laughs> overview. <laughs> okay, we're okay. we're more we're more covering the social and and cultural context right now. I think. Okay. You okay. know, so like, uh, um, yeah. So like, I, I've always said, like, you know, being poor in spirit is 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 important because that's how you know. Uh your need for god and that's where repentance comes in and that's where uh uh you get saved you know mm-hmm. is when you're poor in spirit i mean look at the prodigal son he was poor in spirit he had come home mm-hmm. you know and he, he, you know uh his the father comes out to him you know throws the the clothes on him you know i mean that's kind of like the first step and he didn't even get anything out of his mouth you know before the father cl- started clothing him and, and embracing him you know
1: do you mind if i ask i don't want to put you on the spot and stuff but i know you know the greek and everything but i, I have seen some translations that do separate those two right so they say uh those who are poor and dispirited so maybe that supports like what uh, some translations just say poor in spirit which i interpret as not having to do with like financial it's more about you know need of god but i have seen translations that separate that is
0: I don't think it's a separate. I think it's a both and, right? So he's talking to in, in the social context and where we're at. He's definitely addressing. I mean, think about these things. He's, he's gaming fame and popularity. And he's trying to say, hey, look, it's not about that. You know, uh, uh, the rich are coming to him as well as the poor. And you have this, this culture that is lost. <laughs> You know, and he, he, you know, they follow a formulaic faith. They they follow uh uh notions of prosperity and relate it with blessedness. And, you know, there's all these issues that he has to get through. And I see it as a both and. So, yes, he is addressing this due to the very nature of the context uh, and, and the atmosphere he's in. But he's also dropping uh uh those spiritual truths as well so where i i think it's more of a both and i don't i cool. even even in the uh original language i i think that uh the uh, uh poor in spirit is is a very is is the proper translation i don't see there where you can really distinct it i think that that comes in uh maybe when they're trying to translate it from a, a social uh and historical context gotcha gotcha cool yeah awesome so we'll pick it up in verse 3. Blessed okay. are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so this is the first one I want to cover because uh, – and I'm just going to read verse 4 to – Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. All right, so I'm just going to read from the study here at this point because I really want uh, – um, us to comment on the on the study right so it says as you remember from the previous study uh when we're talking about that uh on the overview right um this is the beginning of a long of a long section of teaching by jesus it is found in the fifth chapter of the gospel of Matthew and occurs fairly early in Jesus' ministry jesus is announcing news of the kingdom of heaven he is telling his listeners about god the king the ways and the people of his kingdom. He begins this long discourse with a series of nine statements, all beginning with the word blessed. Who are those who are those that are favored by God in the kingdom of heaven? Well, the the list is actually very surprising. And, and mind-boggling, which kind of is what we covered. So Jesus' first statement to his disciples after he sits down and teaches is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, first of all, how is it possible that one who is a, in any way poor is blessed, right? How is that possible? The words poor and blessed just don't seem to belong in the same sentence. Those listening to Jesus would have been shocked as we are, Right. So there was deep conviction among Jesus's listeners that it was the rich person who was clearly favored by God to be blessed and it, to be blessed is to be filled, right? Overflowing with wealth, security and happiness, you know what we just covered. Uh, today, when someone receives some great fortune or is expecting a fortunate turn of events, you might consider that person blessed. But certainly we do not look at someone who is lacking and proclaim that they are blessed. In fact, Jesus is not saying here, don't worry if you are presently poor in spirit because you will sometime soon turn a corner and be blessed. He is not saying that. In spite of your your being poor in spirit, God can still bless you. No, he is saying that it is the poverty of spirit that is the sign that you are blessed it is in your poverty of spirit that you are blessed what do you think about that
1: yeah so so that's what i was trying to say earlier i guess uh, just not as in as rhetorically well said as you just did there with that scholar but basically yeah i'm saying look the the state of of affairs where you are poor in spirit is not intrinsically blessed or intrinsically valuable in and of itself no it's only instrumentally valuable in that it gets you to recognize hey i'm poor in spirit i need to be rich in spirit how do i get there i need to depend on god i am not going to put my trust in stupid uh things of this world or that are perishable no i'm going to trust in god for to achieve the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god
0: right on yeah i totally agree um, this is uh, it's got something really cool here. It says, The poor in spirit recognize their own spiritual poverty, their lack on their own, <laughs> um, of the spirit. Uh, okay, they lack the poverty, their lack on their own, uh, of the spiritual resources that provide them with life, joy, love, or confidence. Such ones, uh, that emit their emptiness, their spiritual lack. This person is not looking to him and her, or herself for spiritual richness. Notice that Jesus is not talking merely about how one feels about oneself. He is speaking of a state of being. And this kind of ties into what you're saying too. This is not about having a low self-image or even being depressed. Being poor in spirit does not require that you not look or that you not like yourself or that you feel particularly uh, down it is the truth that you are not and cannot be your own source of life and identity, for those things need to be received from outside of yourself and from a higher source. Gotcha. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. I think, man.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that same that same point goes for all of the the various things here as well, right? Uh-huh. Uh, all of these lacks are, are meant and designed to. Get us to recognize that need for God to fill that lack in ourselves kind of thing.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's see where we're at next. It is in our own lack that we are blessed because in that way alone do we really turn to receive that great richness that is found in God himself and which he uh, or we can never create, maintain, or even possess on our own. So you see, I mean, it's like the first stage to salvation, you know? It's like that first step, you know, recognizing your spiritual need and recognizing your spiritual uh, uh, destitution and stuff like that. and And actually identifying, you know, that longness, you know?
1: Okay. Yeah. So, I'm trying to think of something different to say because, yeah, like so, yeah, it's it's kind of the same point we've been saying. Yeah. Let me let me ask this then, because I have had a Christian friend who's challenged the Protestant understanding of achieving salvation, which is kind of related to what we're saying here. Uh, and they'll say, "Well, look, you you believe that there are certain conditions that you have you have to meet, as, at least if you're not a Calvinist. Uh, you know, you have to believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, for example." Um couldn't it be said that because you are meeting these conditions, that's you doing a work, or you are doing something to earn your salvation, and therefore you might be rich in spirit because hey, I believed I'm better than than these atheists because I believe in I chose to believe in God or I chose to repent of my sins. Um could could some could fulfilling those conditions for salvation count as being rich in spirit in a bad way
0: do you think um i think it's possible i think i think we can we can get haughty on it yeah it just depends on the person kind of thing i really yeah absolutely
1: okay all right cool um but in and in and of itself uh our meeting the conditions isn't necessarily uh us being haughty or something or rich in spirit in a bad way okay
0: Oh man. So uh, here's, here's something that was really cool. It says, of course, we see how the poor in spirit are blessed most clearly in Christ himself as he stands in our place and lives and lives on our behalf. This characteristics are the the characteristic as the character, I can't even read this (laughs) characteristic as are all of the as are all of the Beatitudes, is true first of Jesus. As one of us, he is the one who is truly poor in spirit. In Philippians, Paul tells us that Jesus, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Right. That's Philippians 2.7, the Cartman Christie, right? Um, In the Gospel of John... Jesus tells his listeners that he only does what he sees his father doing and only says what he hears his father saying. When speaking with his disciples, while in Samaria, Jesus tells them that to do the will of his father is is his very food. Jesus received the father's love, glory, authority, power, and word. He does not give himself any of these things. He receives them all. In fact, he resists all temptation to accomplish for himself what he is to receive from the Father alone. The kingdom is about receiving all the blessings of the king, and Jesus receives all the blessings of his father. Our poverty of spirit is a reflection of and a participation in his own poverty of spirit. That's an interesting twist.
1: Okay, um yeah i did notice i did notice a semi allusion to uh jesus being divine uh but that was more in uh i didn't notice it in like verse 3 or something but i did notice it in verse 11 when we get to that um but uh, yeah i don't know if you want me to talk about it now or
0: wait yeah go ahead i mean this is this is our bible study man you can do whatever you want
1: all right. Cool. Yeah. So one of the things I found interesting, I, I heard uh, Craig Keener talking about this, for example, is, you know, in verse 11, you know, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, for Jesus' sake, not God's sake. And that would be an, an obvious kind of, huh, to the people that were hearing that. What do you mean in your sake? Who are you? Right. Right. <laughs> um, well, he's God, <laughs> you know. He's God, the Son. Um, so yeah, but that's going out of order and stuff. But um, that's the that's the thing that came to my mind when you were kind of mentioning that uh, there's an allusion to Jesus being divine in this poor spirit thing. Did you say that, or am I hearing? What's stuff? that? Say that one more time, bud. Did Did you say there's some kind of like allusion to Jesus being divine somehow in in this verse about being poor in spirit? I think
0: I think I think that it's obvious i i think that that uh uh, um i think what you said makes a lot of sense so I, i think that that's actually pretty cool and i think the wild twist on that is our participation in his story you know that we actually have a chance now to participate just like he did and he's our example you know it it there's this whole narrative structure that is is into this as well, and I think uh, my friend Josh Davidson would love to speak on that at some point. But like, uh, yeah, I think there's this – it's wild. It, you know, Jesus totally – I mean he flips the whole – all these notions that we have ingrained in our, in our psyche and totally flips them on their head, and I think that's just so wild. And not only that, but he's also dropping hints of his divinity – like, you know, like he's dropping these truth bombs and no one's even picking up on them. Like, how many times have we read the Sermon on the Mount or these Beatitudes and we just go over them, yeah. like, cursorily, And we're not even noticing all that richness that we've been talking about. I mean, we've been sitting here for 43 minutes and we've gotten through one Beatitude. Yeah. And we're not yeah. even fully through it yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, it's – um and we even have the benefit, like we know we know certain things, like about Jesus' divinity. We have it all spelled out in a an nice and neat creed for us, but we still miss picking up on certain things, right? Um, right? So, yeah, it's it's all about plugging away and reading it multiple times, trying to engage what the scholars are are saying about it. For and and when you pick up on those things, what one thing that's amazing for me. Um, it, the last show we did was on biblical archaeology. I, I'm a fan of that, and I think it really brings the Bible to life. But um, the the I don't know. Have you heard of Appian Media? No, I haven't. Oh, they're amazing. Um, like they yes, yeah
0: they're
1: they're on YouTube. They're doing like various projects. They're working on the Exodus next, um, and they're going to go to Egypt and show the various places and look at the archaeology that. Supports uh, various views and stuff, but they've already done that for Jesus called following the Messiah and it's You know high quality kind of documentary. But uh, yeah, that kind of sheds an even further deeper level when you're reading the Gospels It's not just dry words. You can see the places and like how little things uh, Make sense when you actually see the geography or stuff like that. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that Right.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, yeah, send me send me a link. For sure, yeah.
1: There's no way to comment uh, publicly here, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave a comment for the audience as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, you can put it in the description too. I mean, you got all, dude. You got you're part of the team. You got all the access to this channel. So.
1: <laughs> okay. I well, I just see comments and private chat. That's all I see. But...
0: Yeah, that's because you didn't come in here. Uh, you came here by link. Uh, if you were oh. to if you were to use the password and stuff, you would be ha- you have the same access as me. Okay, cool. all right, cool. Um, and yeah. you, you're more than welcome to do that. I mean you're part of our team, so I mean sounds good so, sounds good. so um, yeah, so so back to the being spiritual you know spiritual poverty, uh, God helps us to know our deep spiritual poverty within ourselves so that we are more and more able to continually receive, the great riches of his life and love that he is so eager to share with us. It seems to me that the more we mature in Christ, the more aware we are of our own spiritual lack, and the more we long to fully and continually receive the kingdom of God. We are more and more aware of the complete inability of anything or anyone in our lives to, to fill that spiritual void, and that is so true i mean how the the closer you get the more illumination god gives you the more you receive from you know learning who he is and learning that we're just this pebble in the vastness of space or this grain of sand and how much we actually need him i think that's for me i can feel that i the more i get closer the more i long to know more you know the more i seek him the more truth that that you know, is, is, is illuminated in my life, the more I want to discover more about him, you know, like I, I, one thing I think about the whole omniscience thing, like how can we deeply understand an omniscient being, but it doesn't stop me from, from trying to figure it out and trying to gain uh, more of an understanding of it and seeking him more, you know, and just that, you know, being closer to God and getting closer to God, you want more of him, you know, you want to be around him more, you want to, be in his embrace so to speak or under the shadow of his wings i mean these are the type of things that inspired the psalmist to write is this longing you know
1: yeah uh, i definitely agree with that i, I you know I, you hear sometimes like people make objections athe- oh heaven or you know salvation would be boring and stuff like that but no i mean the depths of god are potentially yeah. infinite I mean, they, I mean
0: you're talking about the creator of reality that we put this reality in the place do you think that the the fun and the greatness of this reality won't be in the future with God that 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 it's going to be such more it's going to be complete it's gonna be we will, and,
1: yeah we will yeah, never it's be still, up the it'll It will never end. We will always be growing, changing, learning more and more, uh, experiencing more and more pleasures. I mean, God, there's no end to the joys that
0: I like how c s. Lewis described it because you could tell he thought a lot about this in the great Divorce, where, like, uh, basically, it even though you could rebel against God, even in heaven, you know, mm-hmm. it was so far removed from them. You know, because of how much they had grown, they're like giants. You know, mm-hmm. and hell was literally turns into like a little grain of of sand underneath their feet. Right, so that whole world shrunk, and those people grew in Christ. They grew in the relationship with God to the point where sin is just a foreign concept.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, rebelling against God is a foreign concept, yeah. and those people. There, they're still growing. They're still learning, you know. And you know, I again, I think that's just that's wild. So, out
1: of, out of curiosity, with that, would would you say that there's ever a point in the end state where they, because, rebelling against the notion of rebelling against God is so far from them, they just they they're not even tempted anymore, or do they still get tempted? But it's just I don't weak. even I,
0: yeah I don't yeah I don't know I don't I don't know if there is any temptation. I don't know if the temptation. You know, it's just far removed from their mind. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, we don't know how it's going to be until we're there.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious on your
0: take. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, You know, I'm sure I I do believe that there's free will. I think that this place is actualized, that will be actualized in our choices. Uh, And it is because we have gone through this soul building to a point that I think it continues in the afterlife, but in a different way. You know, yep. um, where we're actualized, and we needed the experiences here. But it also leaves me with a conundrum to say, okay, but what about the people that die early? You know, or the babies in the womb, right? That get aborted. You know, they never went through the experience. And obviously, I believe God in His mercy covers that, right? But well, they did. What does that say to their growth, right? What does that say to their growth? They, they did through Jesus,
1: right? Because Jesus would be dwelling their hearts and conforming their character he's experienced all the sins he's experienced all of that yeah so
0: yeah it's a different process than it would be for us you know but i wonder how that would look is what i'm saying it leaves me with a conundrum like how would that look for somebody that never got that you know they they'd have to experience it in a total different way we got a we got a post
1: from jim i don't know if you want to read his question or This is your this is your show. This is your topic. So,
0: oh no, we can put it up there. Uh, Jim asks, we can't know until we get there. Question: Is there uh, any clue in Scripture about our future uh, temptability? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think there is. I I don't think there's any. I think it's uh, there's a lot that we can uh, theorize. You know, um, about it especially the afterlife i don't think I, there's a lot of metaphor out there there's a lot of uh hyperbole and and stuff out there when it comes to uh heaven but uh we know that you know we once we're there we're we're sealed for eternity i mean we're gonna be with him and i think that that's a process that's gonna look like growth it's gonna uh uh be something that we can't imagine with our minds you know it's, it's be some totally different a, a totally different spin on reality so to speak yes clues absolutely absolutely i think the clues are there and i think that's what we theorize on and that's what we kind of uh, uh um base our our uh <laughs> you're giving the clues right there yeah so yeah you, you got it so But uh, let's go back to uh, the study. Uh, I think that Jesus – and this is part of the study. I think that Jesus goes on to fill out more fully what spiritual poverty looks like. He is not describing different separate groups of people. The people who are blessed and so favored by God are showing signs of all these qualities. But we don't just discover the truth of our own spiritual poverty in all its various manifestations, which that's interesting. Right, For being blessed involves more than recognition of our own lack. What exactly are the riches that we are to receive, Jesus tells us. In the second half of of these statements, Jesus goes on to relate to us what the kingdom of God is like. We will be comforted, inherit the earth, be satisfied. The gifts of the kingdom we are to receive have a certain character that reflect perfectly the king. And that too is essential to our being blessed. Dale,
1: um, yeah, awesome. So, so yeah, you're kind of moving on. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with these verses that you know those who mourn, uh, Jesus wants us to mourn, and therefore He will fill that need. God will comfort us, and that sort of thing. Uh, by mourning here. Uh, What do you think, David? Is it just talking about like mourning the loss of a loved one or like what's in mind? What do you think is in mind here?
0: Okay, so I'll read it from – I'll start with for what they say. It says, now we turn to the second line. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning is not a fun place to be, obviously, right? So I don't think anyone chooses to be in a state of mourning. It is painful and heart-wrenching. To mourn is sorrow over loss, Right. So usually yeah. we think of mourning in the context of the death of a loved one. Right. But we also mourn over lost relationships or opportunities. Yeah. We can mourn over sin and the consequences of our sin when we look at the news or listen to other stories of the pain of past, uh, present relationships, right? Past or present relationships, yeah. or consider our own lives. We can be filled with sorrow at the loss that exists in this very, broken and sinful world. I don't uh, it says I don't like to feel this way. It is easy to wonder where God is when we are mourning. Certainly this does not seem like a state of blessing. We would tend to believe that someone who is blessed by God is enjoying the state of having uh, no reason to mourn. Someone who is not experiencing loss when we are mourning. We sense God at a distance even. Uh, We may even wonder if he has abandoned us. We are tempted to believe our mourning is a sign of his disfavor or simply a lack of concern and presence in our lives, or maybe as a sign of the power of sin in our lives to alienate us from uh, – or alienate God from us to the extent that we uh, are feeling that he has totally given us up, right? Mm-hmm. So what does mourning have to do with being blessed? Jesus says in the second half of the statement that those that are mourning are blessed, for they shall be comforted. As with poor in spirit, mourning is a lack or a longing in one's life. When we mourn, we feel empty, needy, aching for comfort. Life is not right anymore. There is a hole in it that we ourselves cannot fill. We cannot restore the loss of ourselves. When I am mourning, I feel like I'm in a state of waiting somehow for life to be set right again. This is why mourning is so uncomfortable, why it is a place we wish to avoid if at all possible. In mourning, we are very aware of our poverty or lack of spirit. Yet here Jesus comes with this astonishing word. You are blessed when you mourn. because your sorrow over the losses that come in this sinful world are a sign of God's work in favor upon you. This word from Jesus frees us to mourn, to see that there is something good and right about mourning over the things that should should be mourned over. Um, Yes, there is loss in the world. Everything is not right here, and we are not living in the place that is our true and final home. To mourn is to recognize all those things that are truly not according to God's will in this falling world. What do you think, Dale?
1: Um, I think that uh, why do you have to be such a smarty pants? Uh, yeah, you, uh, I think you're bang on there. That you. The thing I wanted to, the point I wanted to make is the point that you just made. Yeah, more, to mourn isn't just about mourning the loss uh, or death of somebody, uh, but you can mourn the loss yeah. of a relationship or mourn your sin and I think that this is um, what this verse is is more about. It's, you know, blessed are those who are mourning uh, their sin and the consequences of their sin. That loss of the relationship with God and the damage to the relationship uh, that they have with others. Um, and that includes death, right? That Death is a consequence of sin. So, yeah, God, you have that need and God will comfort you. He will provide you with eternal life and salvation and that kingdom of heaven will
0: comfort you. Right, right. Jesus himself shows us the mourning of God's own heart. The triune God mourns over the sin, destruction, and death in his creation. Matthew records a lament that Jesus speaks over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often would I have gathered... Uh, Your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would and you would not see God mourns over the losses we have uh, as a consequence of living in a fallen world even more than we do. He knows more deeply the pain sorrow and destruction that we cause each other and ourselves. God hates sin because he hates what it does to his good creation. I mean, I think that says it all.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: Um, But we haven't dealt with the second half of the statement. Jesus says that those who mourn are blessed, for they shall be comforted. The loss we sorrow over now is not the end of the story. This word is stated in a future tense. The kingdom is both present and future reality. We receive it now, and yet we await fully receiving all God has for us. And what we wait for is astonishing. We shall be comforted. Our sorrow will truly end, and not just a little, but fully and completely. Is that possible? Will God be able to take all the loss and sorrow in our lives and give us comfort? Absolutely. Because God has not merely mourned over the state of his creation, he is redeeming it. Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians that God, through Christ, is reconciling all things to himself. Jesus is our redeemer. The one who has united Himself with our wounded and sinful humanity, in order to give to forgive and heal us from the inside out, we will have uh, he will have us whole, well, and fully comforted. This is God's good pleasure. Dale,
1: uh, yeah, nothing nothing really to add about that. I find it I found it really interesting because I didn't notice the fact about the future tense being used there. So that was something I found interesting because I didn't pick up on that when I was reading it. So
0: yeah, like I said before, you know, there's so many times that I've, we've been over the Beatitudes and you don't notice these things, you know, until you really start digging or you're reading some commentaries on it and stuff like that. Um, In Hebrews chapter 12, the author tells us that Jesus, that in Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So Jesus is telling us here that if we, find, if we find that we are mourning over the brokenness, the deaths, and the losses of this eternity, earthly life, uh, this is actually evidence that God is working in our lives and that we are responding to his spirit. And we are blessed in our recognition of and sorrow over evil and its consequences because these, very, these are the very things God is doing away with. The greatest comfort we have is that Jesus has conquered sin and death and he will do away with it once and for all, first in us and then everywhere else. What a great comfort, what great comfort awaits us to fully see now and live in God's redemption. So today we are free to live in our poverty, our longing and our mourning. God is making us more like himself um, and that's what grace is. And we can be at peace with our longing, um, because we trust in and hope for the full comfort that will someday we will someday experience in the kingdom uh, that even now fully belongs to us through Jesus Christ.
1: Pretty awesome. But let me just ask. Uh, I, I try to come up with something interesting. It might be a stupid question, but um. Do you think that so Jesus on the cross, right, in in becoming sin for us and that sort of thing, uh, and you know the famous verse, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Um, I kind of interpret that Jesus experienced not just physical death but spiritual. He experienced the punishment for sin, hell, uh, true relational separation from God. Um, do you think it would make sense to say like Jesus was mourning? on the cross when he was saying that, like, you know, why have you forsaken me? Um, Or is that a concept that only applies to, that wouldn't apply to
0: Jesus there? I don't know if that concept would. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to think about it more. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think when he's quoting, why have you forsaken me? He's, he is, he's reciting that Psalm, you know, Mm -hmm so i think that that's that's really what's going on there um yeah i don't see yeah i don't i'm not sure if that I, i mean obviously he he does mourn he mourns the sin of the world right and he mourns uh uh what it does to his good creation so i think that yeah i mean those things occur you know and they probably did run through his mind as he was being crucified yeah
1: okay okay so it could make sense and
0: and quoting that i think that would need to be fleshed out a little more
1: for sure all right cool yeah i just wanted to to get your take because i found that interesting right
0: yeah but dale we are at the end here my friend of these first two verses we only got through two beatitudes and i can't wait to go through even more as uh we get more into the study um But yeah, man, I, I thought this is a great study. Uh, you can find it on Trinity Study Center. Uh, uh, you know, it's a husband and wife team, and they put together this whole uh, commentary on the Sermon of the Mount and go through their commentary. And I'm obviously going through their commentary and adding my own. So I think it's great. I think it's a, a good study. I think uh, it, you know people should get out there and get it if they if they want to follow along with us as we do Theo Geeks in the future and stuff like that. So.
1: Awesome! Awesome! Yes, yeah, so, sounds great. Uh, it was a great show. I hope uh, Jim, Travis, and uh, Rob Centennial Apologetics. Uh, yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob Rowe, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope you guys got something out of out of this. Um, yeah. Other than that, um, for our next Theo Geeks episode, um, like when do you want to do that in September? Because I know which topic I want to do.
0: Oh, we'll probably do it at the end of September again. Shoot forward time. towards the end. Yeah. Cool. Kind of like a closing once a month type thing, you know.
1: Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, in terms of topic, so that'll be my turn to choose a topic. And I have something that's personally interesting to me because my church is hiring a new uh, pastor, and it's a female pastor. So I want to look at three uh, verses in Paul's uh, epistles that... You know, is the complementarian perspective true or the egalitarian? Can can you have women teaching in the church? And we can study that. I think that's a good Theo Geeks topic. No, you don't like
0: that? Egalitarianism and complementary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's we'll nerd out over that. All right, man. All right. Sounds cool. Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: Have a
0: great week, everyone. Yep. Everybody, this is uh, Theo Geeks. This is David Russell and Dale Glover. We are signing off. God bless you all, and have a great week.